sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. And thank you again for joining me here at the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 57. If you're listening to this episode the day it was released, and (laughs) why wouldn't you? I am currently here in Orlando, specifically at the Orange County Convention Center. I'm here for the PGA Merchandise Show. Just got in a couple days ago, checked out Demo Day, got to see Lexi Thompson and Blair O'Neill hit a couple golf shots, and let me tell you something, if you've never been out to Orange County National, this is insane. The entire driving range is just a big, big circle, and you can just hit in all directions, and you have to take a complete lap around the place to get just the entire feeling of, oh my gosh, there's every single club company, every single shaft company, every single putter company. I mean, it's all there. It's a little overwhelming, but very, very cool. That was just the first day, and then tomorrow, everything really kicks off at the convention center. I cannot wait to just see all of the products that are available this year and already have bumped into some pretty cool people. So ran into Marty Hackle, sat down and talked to him a little bit. Going to be seeing a lot more of him while I'm here at the show. Ran into Dennis Walters, just randomly bumped into him at the hotel. Very, very cool to see him and Bucky. Yes, Bucky is in attendance this year at the PGA Merch Show. So how can you get a little bit more information and how can you follow along? Well, make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Back of the Range podcast. I'll be posting a lot of information there. We're also on Facebook. We're on Twitter as well. All that information can be found in the show notes of this episode and also at thebackoftherange.com. As you know, we love getting comments and reviews from listeners. So go ahead and pop into Apple Podcasts, leave a review, put some comments in there. Let me know what you think of the podcast. And you know, that almost always results in me sending out some free stuff. So If you want a new golf towel to start the 2019 season, and who the hell doesn't, go ahead and leave a comment or a review. So even though I'm going to be busy all day just walking around the show, that does not mean that we're taking the week off. Of course, we have an episode for you, and our guest this week is actually here working. She is working with Ping. Why? Well, she's a sales rep for them. When she isn't selling Ping clubs, she's using them. And don't worry, she pays for them. Why do I say that? Well, Our guest is an amateur and a pretty darn good one. This week, we're going to welcome our seventh USGA champion to be interviewed here at the back of the range, Shannon Johnson, the 2018 U.S. Women's Mid-Amateur Champion. Shannon has played in 13 USGA championships. That's only 12 more than I have. She's played in the girls, juniors, women's am, public length, state team, you name it. She's done it. She's racked up 13 state titles in her home state of South Dakota, including four straight women's AMs between 2003 and 2006. We talked about her amateur career, her decision to stay an amateur, not turn pro, and her home course of Thorny Lee in Massachusetts. Now, if that name rings a bell, it should. That's Matt Parciali's club as well. He won the 2017 U.S. Mid-Am. So clearly, we had a lot to talk about, talked about pars, talked about the culture of Thorny Lee. So let's get to this week's episode. Shannon, how are you? And welcome to the Back of the Range. Hey, pretty good. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. No, this is great. Uh, well, let's let's start off with with the the host upsetting the guest as quickly as possible. I'm in South Florida. It's a balmy 65 <laughs> degrees. You're in Massachusetts. Go ahead, fire daggers. What do you think? How's the weather up there? I'm always jealous of everyone who's uh, who's in Florida or Arizona, California. Uh, but yeah, we've kind of we've turned the corner now. It's uh, we're kind of in the 
the winter wonderland of 30 degrees. Oh. So hopefully I, I don't 30 degrees is, is fine. I can handle that. But once we get in the twenties and the, in the teens, it gets a little, a little tougher to go outside. Yeah. yeah. You're, well, you're used to this cold weather, you know, what we do a, a little bit of research over here and you know, what's so fascinating is you've just bounced around the country in largely cold weather climates nothing just when you think you know new mexico and south dakota and golf doesn't seem to just roll off the tongue and think like oh yeah that's just golfing hotbeds there but um you grew up in south dakota we always like to hit on the the early beginnings of our guests and how they get into the game so tell me about the thriving golf mecca of south dakota and how you got into golf (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of remote, not a lot of people from, uh, from South Dakota, but I actually got started through, um, my grandparents. Um, my sister and I, when we were little would go to my grandparents in the, in the summer for a couple of weeks. So sure. my parents would kind of have a little, uh, little staycation at home without the, without the kids. And so we would go up, spend a couple of weeks and every day my grandparents went to the golf course. So we would go and just ride in the cart and just kind of drive the cart, follow along. And after a couple of years, I, I took a little liking to it and was like, I think I want to try this. So my grandma kind of set me up with a, just a local, local pro up in the area. And just to kind of get some of the fundamental basics down, they didn't want to, they didn't want to have to be the person to teach me. Right. And, uh, so, which was great and just kind of really, really fell in love with it. And my first tournament was, uh, when I was eight and it was at one of the, the country clubs that, uh, that was in the city that, that they lived in. And so it was a little, little rough start. Uh, I, not sure that I've heard anyone else uh, doing this in their first tournament, but I was, I'm not sure if I was nervous. I don't totally remember at the time, but I whiffed the ball 10 times in the first tee box. Oh my God. And on the, wait, I remember wait, looking wait, at my grandpa wait, and I was wait, like, wait, what's going on? Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh my gosh. This is a first. Okay. So <laughs> let me just back that one up real quick. I can't let you fly through that one. So nope. first tee box opening shot, eight years right. old. Please welcome to the tee, Shannon Johnson. And you're saying 10, 10 whiffs, 10 times, 10, <sighs> 10 whiffs. So yeah, so it was a little, uh, definitely a rough start. Luckily we only had to play hole or nine holes cause we were, we we're so small at the time. Oh and, uh, gosh. so after that I, I played pretty decent. Uh, I don't remember, I don't entirely remember what I shot, but I ended up winning the tournament by 10 shots. So I come home and I'm, super excited and my I see my my mom was actually in town and and my grandma and my sister were out outside in the you know kind of in the lawn and I drove up and I my trophies out the window and oh I'm waving gosh. it around and, <laughs> and then I have to tell them the story that I whipped it 10 times but but uh yeah never had quite that experience after that but uh well, yeah, I, pretty, yeah pretty interesting one to get going that's that's <laughs> incredible that you that I mean I mean that's a traumatic thing I it mean, is that's, absolutely, and to just go, wow! This is boy, this is the the rags to riches, keep working hard story from ten whiffs to USGA <laughs> champion. I mean, so right. I, as long as I get part of the movie rights, uh, I think we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, here. there you go. <laughs> that's uh, so that's absolutely incredible. Now, did you were you uh, you know athlete as a kid playing a lot of sports, or did you kind of gravitate just to golf, where that was just you know your your life and sole focus? What was your what was kind of like your childhood like? 
Yeah, we, uh, yeah, my sister and I were super, super competitive. And is she older, uh, younger? Mom, or She's two years younger. Okay. And, uh, yeah, my mom was a really good athlete. My dad, yeah, played football and, and you know, just in high school. He's a good athlete. Okay. Um, so we played, my sister and I played really competitive soccer kind of growing up. And uh, my sister didn't gravitate towards golf um, like I did. Um, I think it's just, it was a little too slow for her. She liked the, the fast action sports. Sure. and uh, But we played basketball. Um, growing up in South Dakota, everyone kind of learns how to ice skate. Right. Um, so we'd go out in the ponds a lot. And um, so I think once, and then, you know, volleyball, pretty much everything that, that we could get into competitive uh, team sports, we put my sister and I played in um, my sophomore year of high school. Our city finally started a, um, a girls ice hockey league. So for the state, so I played with a bunch of my friends and my sister played. And so we, we didn't, I think we lost one for my three years that we played in high school. We lost one time to a, an in-state team, okay. which was unbelievable. And so we had an awesome time. And so I, it was really, once I got to high school, it was, it was golf in the summer. And then once we couldn't play golf anymore, we transitioned to, to hockey, which was, which was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking about hockey, how obviously in Florida, not the biggest sport we have around here. And, and hockey is just such a quick, fast, violent game compared to <laughs> golf. So do you, would you consider yourself a golfer that plays hockey or were you a hockey player that played golf? Um, I would say probably more of a golfer that played hockey, although it's just, you can't, golf is just an, it's more of an individual sport and sure. I had so much fun and I have so many good memories of just my friends and I playing hockey and traveling to tournaments. And I would say I probably had more fun playing hockey than I did golf growing right. up. Um, but I had more success on, on the golf side as opposed to, to the hockey. So, now, and it's a little, a little easier on the body as well. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, I'm just, I'm just getting a sore back just thinking about it. But, um, so I know I, I have limited knowledge of hockey. I have limited knowledge of a lot of things, but hockey's up there in the list. But I know that there are some leagues where you can check, you can have physical contact and you, some you can't, obviously things happen. But there has to be a story of you just laying some girl out on the ice at some <laughs> point. Not saying yeah, that's I your was... personality that I'm picking up on that right away. I'm just saying, but there's got to be a right. story. I think you, uh, yeah, you're headed in the right direction. I was, uh, I was definitely one of the bigger, um, kind of the taller, bigger athletes that was that yeah, was on you're the like, ice. Yeah, because you're like five eight, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, you know, just playing all these sports. I mean, obviously we gained a lot of, a lot of muscle mass and sure. uh, yeah, pretty intimidating figures out there. And, um, I think it was just kind of just my personality and, and we always had targets on our back wherever we went because we were a great team. Right. And so people would try and get under your skin and, and I'm just kind of, you know, the person that I, I'm going to push back if someone's if someone's pushing me. So it's, uh, sat, yeah, there were some really games that, my chair, so I'm just, yeah, there's, to some games that got pretty heated and uh but those were the those are the games that you like cherish and the, those are the games that you like want to play in oh, yeah. and we had some we had some pretty big rivals once we got to my uh to the senior year we uh yeah we had some we had some fun games against uh, a lot of teams in, in the state so yeah but it was it was good that was just kind of my personality and i think it's great because it's golf is such a calm sport got to keep a level head 
so I could do that in the summer. And then when I want to, you know, get on and, and kind of rip it up on the ice, I can, I can go and do that. So it was really kind of a nice, it's, it's always been a really good outlet that's, for me. That's a great balance of, all right, I've been, I've been good all year long, all summer. I've been really <laughs> calm. Now I just need to lay someone out. So exactly. <laughs> so you, um, so you, you, you play golf, uh, throughout your childhood, um, you you go to New Mexico. You were two time Mountain West All Conference selection for New Mexico. So so tell me a little bit about uh, just playing golf or, or your experience in New Mexico. I know that you transferred to Indiana. You had great success there. You were All Big Ten as a senior. But kind of give me an idea how how you came to choose New Mexico, and then also how you transitioned over to Indiana. Yeah. So, um, so coming out of South Dakota, I knew I needed to, to get to a, a warm weather climate. Um, if I wanted to, to really see how my game could progress and if I could, you know, maybe take it to the next level after college. And, and so it really came down to university of New Mexico and also New Mexico state. So, um, so I went and took visits at each and I really kind of fell in love with, um, university of New Mexico and Albuquerque and their practice facilities were unbelievable. And they had a really, really good team at the time. And, um, so we, it was myself and there was two other freshmen that came in, uh, one from Oregon and one from Canada. We had a awesome team. And so for three years, we are, I think my junior year, we were ranked, um, usually pretty much in the top five in the country, um, struggled a little bit at nationals. And, uh, and so it was a good, I mean, I really got better being down there and, um, just the facilities and warm weather, um, you can, cannot, you know, get better. It's, sure. it's just an unbelievable place. And, um, and then, yeah, I decided to, to sit out my senior year, um, kind of just coached and I just not really seeing eye to eye and, um, our assistant coach at New Mexico at the time got the head job at Indiana and, um, he kind of took over a little struggling team, um, after Sam Carmichael left, which he had some great, great programs and great uh, players that came through. And he said, if, if you want to come play, I've got a full scholarship for you. And I hadn't even really, really thought about it. And, um, and it was, it was an unbelievable opportunity. So I was able to, to play one more year, do grad school at the same time, uh, in sports management, which was unbelievable. I had so much fun with it. And, uh, yeah, I got to meet a lot of awesome people and play in the big 10, which was so different than anything. Like we were in the, you know, big 10 or we were in the mountain West and then we play all the pack, you know, pack 12 schools. So it was totally, it was two totally different golf experiences. Um, but I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was great. What, uh, what did you pick up out of like, I, I, we have a lot of, we have a lot of juniors that listen to the podcast, parents of juniors, always that big decision that they have to make of where to go, uh, you know, where to, uh, you know, which school is going to be the best fit personality wise. So did you pick up something different as far as the personalities of your, your players, coaches at maybe, um, New Mexico that was different than Indiana? Did you see difference, not just in the quality of play, I'm sure bigger conference, bigger courses, better players, but did you pick up anything different in those two schools that that showed you that you were a good fit for Indiana, um, a good fit for New Mexico, maybe for both, but maybe just something that you can talk about that's just a difference in the two um, programs? Yeah, I think, um, you know, navigating the um, the recruiting waters is, is always tough and there's nothing easy about it, uh, no matter what anyone ever says. And I think the biggest thing is to, you know, 
take a bunch of visits, even if they're unofficial visits, you know, go and meet the coach and, you know, spend, spend some time with them and really get to know what their coaching philosophy is and, um, and ask a bunch of questions like that and see if you're, you're vibing and, and you know, kind of gelling with the coach. Cause really, I mean, they're going to, they're going to make or break your college experience. And I think if you find someone that you're comfortable with, um, you know, no matter what the practice facilities are, playing schedules, anything like that, I think you're, you're going to have a much better time and, and experience. And, um, and I think that's why I really, really thrived and, and really loved my experience at Indiana because Clint Wallman was an unbelievable coach. And, uh, I mean, I still, I still talk to him, uh, you know, every, I would say about three or four times a year and we always, uh, we always catch up, but, um, but it's, it's tough. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that do transfer schools, just they get there and um, they just, for whatever reason, it doesn't fit. And sure. uh, there's no, um, you sh- someone should never feel bad about, about transferring. And I think I always ha- had that in the back of my mind. I kind of probably stuck it out for a year, probably longer than I, than I needed to at New Mexico. But um, just cause I felt a little ashamed of wanting to, wanting to move on, but, uh, but looking back and doing it. And that's where I try to tell people that are, are maybe looking to transfer and they kind of have that, those same, um, same thoughts in their mind. And I'm like, don't worry. I'm like, this is, you're going to be far better off and you're going to have a much better experience if you, if you do transfer. So that's what I would, that's what I would say to the, the kids listening. Nice. So you, you finish up your, your college career at, at Indiana. Um, I don't know a whole lot about your, your interest or thoughts into turning uh, professional or playing pro. Did you play professionally? Did you stay, have you stayed an amateur your entire time or, or? Yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've stayed amateur. Um, so when I was done with, um, with Indiana, I kind of, um, it was tough there. Our team at Indiana wasn't, um, we didn't have a very strong team, so we weren't going to make it to regionals, um, as a team, but I, um, at the time they, I think it was at the time they took two individuals, um, for each region. And, um, I got snubbed on that, which was kind of, it was super heartbreaking. Um, I still remember what chair I was sitting in, in my coach's office as we were listening to the phone call and they ran off the people's names. And so I just, I kind of got up, I didn't say a word and I walked out and, um, I, that's kind of when I decided I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go pro. So, and, and I was lucky enough at, at New Mexico to play with, um, a ton of unbelievable players. I mean, Lorraine Ochoa was a year older and that's when, I mean, she was tearing it up at university of Arizona and, and there were so, so many other players that I got to, to be in the same tournaments and they were playing well and beating me. And some of those players went and struggled out on the like the Symmetra tour um, and then even like on the LPGA tour and I think I kind of thought back and I was like well do I think I could be you know go and have a different outcome than them and I'm like probably not so um, so I decided not to go pro and um, it's nothing that I've ever regretted Uh, you always think well what what could have been but um, I'm never never one to look back and say I should have should have done that and and I was lucky that Ping, um, Ping Golf was a sponsor of our team at New Mexico. And then also we had, um, Clint Wamblin had some really good connections inside the, inside Ping. And I went and 
did an interview a couple weeks after um, after our season was done, and they offered me a job on the spot when I went and interviewed. And I'm like, this is this is what I want to do. I want to you know work for an unbelievable golf company that I pretty much played all their their clubs growing up, and kind of the rest is is history. Yeah. Well, you know, we're gonna hit on your your experience. I know you work for Ping, and I, I definitely want to talk about that, but. Um, you know, it's funny, earlier in this year, I interviewed uh, Laura Ionello, who's the head coach in Arizona right now. They uh, won the national championship last year. And, and she mentioned, uh, you know, and she she played with uh, with Baena and, and Ochoa and Galbus. And, and she, you know, she mentioned that, uh, you know, she did turn pro. She did chase it down for a while. But it was also the lifestyle that mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't exactly what she was looking for. So I, I don't know how many people that really understand sure you got to go shoot the scores out there to turn pro and be successful and get onto the PGA or LPGA tour but it's also such a different lifestyle so did, oh yeah so is that something that kind of weighed into your decision as well or was it just the the scores and just looking at your 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 um your colleagues in college golf and saying well if they're not doing it I'm not doing it Right. I think it was a little, um, a little of both. Um, yeah, just the, just the lifestyle lifestyle of really, you're just, you're kind of living out of your car. Um, especially on the, the Symmetra tour, the futures tour back then, um, what it was called and just driving to all the tournaments. And, and I wasn't, I love to go out and just play. I'm not a huge person that's going to go out there and practice and grind it out and um spend hours on the range or hours on the putting green that's just not that's just it was so tough in me for college to do that okay and so i'm like i don't know if that's you know if that would really gel i'd probably have to put in a ton of extra work besides you know the practice rounds and going out and playing and and i'm like i just i don't want to hate golf when i'm done Right. If I go, if I go that route, I'm like, I love this game. You know, I want to make it, you know, at the time I didn't know it was going to be kind of my life choice, uh, with, uh, with working in the golf industry. But, um, and then I think just the financial side as well. Uh, I was lucky to, to get through college really debt free and, and have scholarships, uh, from both schools. And I didn't want to have to start asking my my parents or, or friends of, of of mine or my friends' parents for for money to go try and chase this dream. And yeah, yeah. Um, if if someone has a financial backing, I you know I would say totally do it. You never you know you can, it's, it's kind of a, a no lose situation. But uh, but for me, it wasn't really uh, something that I wanted to put uh, put myself into. And, right. Um, it's just such a struggle. I mean, especially on the women's side, the purses that they're playing for are not as big as, as the men's side and sponsorships are obviously a far less and few in between, unless you're a big name on the LPGA. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of players on, on the LPGA that are maybe in the 75 to the hundred ranking that are you're at the end of the day, by the time you pay your taxes and expenses and, and all these things, you're not, you're not making a lot of money. Right. And it's, it was a grind out there for sure for them. Um, but some people love that lifestyle and, uh, that's, that's for them, not for me. Right. Well, you've had tremendous success as an amateur. I mean, uh, just, you know, 13 state titles in South Dakota, you won four straight women's amateurs out there between 03 and 06. And you've played in a little over a dozen USGA championships. Obviously you're the, you won the women's mid-am, you were you know, 2016, 2017, you're pretty much right there knocking on the door. You're runner-up in 16, semifinalist in 17. Um, you mentioned Ping, so I definitely want to talk about that. So what what is your job title? What do you do at Ping? 
Sure. So I'm uh, I'm a local field representative for Ping out in the Boston area. So I've got around about 175 accounts that I call on um, and just kind of help help service them so they can sell Ping equipment to uh, to the masses. And it's uh, yeah, it's I'm, it's really since I really got out of school, it's been about 12 years and since I've worked for them, I started inside at the at their facility. Uh, their world headquarters are in Phoenix. Yeah. Um. So so when I was done with school, it was awesome. I always wanted to live in Phoenix. It was such a fun place. Uh, anytime that I ever visited, and so I lived out there for three years and just kind of bounced around within different departments. Within you know, everyone starts in customer service to learn the basics, and then move into fitting. And I did uh, did some different things in kind of marketing and. Um, did, did uh, worked with some engineers on a couple projects uh, just to have a different set of eyes. And, and then my first territory that uh, I took over, I lived in Omaha, Nebraska. So I covered all of South Dakota, all of Nebraska, and then a little, the Western part of Iowa. And so it was great. They always try and get you into, if you want to become a field rep, they try and get you t- close to home and that territory covered um, all of South Dakota, which was, which was perfect where I grew up and I knew most of the pros. So it was, it was a good fit. Sure. But after, after three years, um, being there, our rep in the Boston area here took over a territory down South, um, in, uh, Birmingham. And so they called and asked if I'd be willing to, to look at Boston and maybe take that over. And, and I said, well, I got, one question. I said, how many overnights are there? Cause in my old territory, I would pretty much be gone half the month. I mean, there's two huge States that you have to cover. Right, right. And, and so they said there, well, there's no overnights. And I was like, perfect. Done. I said, I've never been to Boston, but I'm sure I'll like it. So, <laughs> and uh, awesome. that was it. So I've been out here for six years and uh, it's unbelievable, unbelievable city uh, with all the professional sports teams. I mean, everyone goes nuts over, over anything. Uh, Boston sports related and it's unbelievable golf courses and you've got skiing in the winter, you got the ocean in the summer. It's uh, really, there's, it's an unbelievable city to be in. Now, when you were out in Phoenix at the headquarters, I have to ask about, you know, are there players rolling in? Are you getting to just sneak into the vault of the golden putters <laughs> and just take whenever you, whenever you want to, or I'm sure there's gotta be some, some guys rolling in there or some ladies rolling in there and people you've met, throughout your time there or throughout your time just with ping all over the country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's the the best part about it. it's still, um, I mean, everyone thinks ping's a, a big company, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still family run and it's, it's really quite small compared to, to the others. And so um, yeah, there was, when I was in Phoenix, uh, yeah, a bunch of the, the PGA LPGA tour staff would, would come in and test out equipment. Um, it was kind of done on, on one side of the campus there. So it's a lot of the times you knew they were there. Um, you necessarily didn't get to see them all the time, but if you, if you kind of had a little time during your lunch break, you could kind of wander down and, and take a peek of, sure. of Bubba hitting out of the, uh, out of the building to the end of the range. And, um, and then usually like now up in Boston, when, uh, when we had the, the Dell technology and, uh, the Deutsche bank, uh, I'm good friends with the, the guys that are basically drive the truck and build the clubs for our, our 
tour, the, the PGA tour. So I'll go out to a practice round and, and hang on the truck and, uh, and they'll, you know, bubble wander in or Louie or, or Tony. And they're, they're all unbelievable people and they're, uh, very gracious and, uh, with kind of what we do. Cause you know, obviously it's, it's, uh, everyone kind of has their job to do so we can support everything, uh, everything on the PGA and, um, it's, it all comes for full circle, but sure. it's a great, great company. Now, when, when the, the regular amateur golfer that's listening goes to the local, you know, uh, golf shop to get clubs regripped and, or, or something done, you know, you got to kind of wait your turn and, and it takes a little while you know, maybe you get it in the same day or the next day. Um, I'm sure with you hanging out at the tour van, how ridiculously better are those guys at working on clubs than maybe just the standard person at a golf shop? Like, have you sat and just watched what they do? Like, like what level are they at? They're, uh, I mean, that's, that's all they do. So they're unbelievably good at it. And I think we've, every company is a little different in how they, how they do their regripping and ours is a little different than, than others. And, um, but I mean, it's, they're just, they're so good. They don't, they just don't even think about it. That's the the crazy thing. They're they're going up and right. It's, it's just all natural Yeah, at that point. And I know the setup. I'm familiar with the setup of what Bubba has to his clothes, but have you ever seen them working on Bubba's stuff. I mean, there's got to be a story about Bubba just rolling in, needing something done, and 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 I know what what it is, but I'll let you explain it if you have knowledge of it. Yeah, so Bubba's a little, uh, he's a little different. Um, so he uses he uses the mid size grip, but the the crazy part is that he puts so many wraps of tape. Um, I gosh, now I can't remember exactly. It's like um, I want to say it's like eleven wraps of tape under like his his left hand uh which would be his bottom hand and then it's uh i want to say it's like eight on the top so it's really tricky so i the guys on the truck will when they're doing his clubs they have to be totally focused and sure. not having a conversation and what they'll do is they'll start wrapping it and they'll make little tick marks uh, they'll have a little piece of paper and they'll make tick marks so that they know how many wraps that they've got under each because as soon as they put the grip on and Bubba comes in and he kind of grips it and, and does his thing and looks at it, he'll know if one piece of tape is missing from either side and he'll come in and be like, nope, you missed it. And sure enough, like they'll go and take the grip off and count the tape and he's he's right all the time. Oh, man. So It's just I mean, it's unbelievable what what he can feel. And, uh, it's just, yeah, he's just so good with his hands and around the green. It's, I think that's the biggest thing that people maybe just think he can hit it a long ways, but his short game is phenomenal. And it's, uh, and I kind of tried to do something, um, a little this year, usually we'll go out to eat with those guys and I love to pick their brain about what's, uh, kind of what new things or anything different that anyone's doing. And, and Bubba, um, I don't know if he's been doing it a couple years, but he plays a really light swing weight on his lob wedge. So it's like a D one ish is I think what they get it to, which normally a lob wedge is probably like D six if you're just like standard length. And so what they found was, is that because it's a lighter swing weight, he can actually hit the ball and be a little more aggressive. Right. And because it's a little lighter, it's not exploding off the face right, right. when he hits it. And so I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I had a couple backup wedges. And so I brought it out to the truck uh, when they were here this uh, in, in 
I was in sept- early September uh, end of August. And I said, do it. I said, do the same thing. And so I took it out and it was really crazy. I took it to Thorny, practiced a little. And the first chip that I hit with it, I short-sided myself and I had to go up and over a bunker. Pin was five paces on. I hit it and it just popped right up and it went right in the hole. And I'm like, okay. oh, maybe there's something, maybe, maybe there's something to this. And, uh, and I, right. And I ended up playing and I played it at the mid-am and had pretty good success. So wow. we're going to, I think we'll stick that one out for a little while. Definitely. Wow. That, okay. So that's very, very interesting. I, I, I will definitely, uh, I might have to grab one of my, uh, knock right. wedges. Yeah. And, and, you got an old one just hanging around trying to yeah. try and change the swing weight and see what happens. It's only, you know, it's all guesswork, uh, yeah. to see if it works for you. And, and some of the other, uh, PGA tour players have tried it, and, you know, it just doesn't work for them. So they can pop in a different weight and, you know, no, uh, no damage done. Yeah. Pretty good. Interesting. Yeah. There's, um, well, I, I appreciate you sharing that story and, and I know that there's tons of, uh, you know, tons of people playing ping. You mentioned Thorny Lee, so uh, you are not the first member of Thorny <laughs> Lee that has been at the back of the range this year. Spoke with Mr. Parziali earlier this year, so that's two U.S. Mid-Am champs at the back of the range. So uh, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, how did you come to uh, join Thorny Lee in uh, it's in Brockton, Massachusetts? But how did you come to join Thorny Lee? Uh, to make that one of your home clubs. Right. Yeah. So when I, um, so when I first moved out to the Boston area, I was living in uh, Foxborough, which is, that's where the the Patriots uh, city that they play out of. And I lived um, pretty much less than a mile from a place called Foxborough country club. And, it was a um, great, great course. So I, I played there for about three years and the third year I was there, I didn't, uh, didn't get to play very much. And I probably only played out there like six times. And I'm like, gosh, it's tough to justify. I'm like, I could go, go fly out to pebble and it would, you know, play that six times and right. that would kind of be my, my due. So, um, so I took a year off and, uh, kind of became uh, America's guest and uh just kind of traveled around played different places and and it's so crazy in the summer i mean my, our work schedule is just loaded with demo days and and we're just all trying to cram in that selling season as, yeah. as best we can so that it doesn't make a lot of time for playing and um so took a year off and then was talking to some some friends of mine and and one of my my better friends, Sue Curtin, um, who plays at a, a couple of different courses, is like, well, you should check out check out Thorny Lee. She's like, my one of my best friends is a member there, and 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 I had played. We had one mass um, mass am championship there, so I got to play it like seven eight times um, a couple of years prior. An unbelievable golf course, and the greens are always slick. And and so come to find out, I mean, I knew. Thorny had some some great players, and after diving in a, a little bit more, it's it's an unbelievable club with a ton of history and a ton of unbelievable players. Still, obviously, with with Matt being one of them, sure. and so so I joined there um, joined there at the start of last year, and have I've loved every second of it. It's a unbe- unbelievable golf course, and and just I think just the the people there that uh all the players they they want you to play well and they're always there to to offer any advice if you if you have questions and i think you have to go play with better players obviously to become better yourself 
And I think that's that's the fun part about it. And and everyone uh, everyone loves golf and they love to socialize and, and have a few drinks after. And it's a uh, yeah, it's it's a great environment to to be better and and uh, and have fun. Sure. And and when did you know? It's funny. So so Matt Parziali wins the U.S. Mid Am in 2017. You win it this year. When did you first meet him? And do you guys have games against each other? Like what's <laughs> uh, and and also what's the I guess also, what's the vibe after you win? I mean, you've won numerous things up in Mass. It's not like they're not used to you winning stuff up there. But, like, what's the vibe after you win the win the Mid-Am? What's the vibe for him after he won the Mid-Am? Did anything really change? Um, I mean, it's uh, probably a lot more excitement just around the club. Um, when I first joined there two, two years ago, really, uh, I knew of Matt. Um, obviously, he had kind of just gotten back on the, the amateur scene and was playing well in Massachusetts. And um, and so I knew him. And then, yeah, we just kind of kind of met at some point and was like, oh, we haven't officially met. And, and I think we only played, we played in one tournament um, at Thorny. They call it the Romano. It's like a mixed team event. So, sure. so I, we didn't play together. Um, we weren't on the same team, but Matt played with, um, with my best friend, Megan Buck. And so I played with, uh, with one of the guys from the club and we had a great time. And um, Megan and Matt definitely won. They crushed the field in the gross, obviously just alternate shot. Uh, and then me and my partner won the, won the net division. So that, so it was fun and it's, it was fun to watch him play. I obviously knew he was a, he was a great player, but to, to see him hit it in person, I mean, it's like watching any other professional that you would see on TV and, or, you know, out at the Dell technology, you know, watching people on the range. So it was, so it was fun. And then, um, yeah, it really wasn't long after that, that he went on and, and won the, the mid am. And I mean, just the vibe around the club, everyone was, I mean, there was huge text message change, uh, text message change that were going on when he was playing in the events. And, um, some people obviously went down and flew down that morning to, to watch the finals and I had to work, so I wasn't able to go. And, but it was, it, it was super fun. And then, um, just really this whole year was kind of, was really the mat. You've had a hell of a year. Yeah. I mean, both of us have, have played awesome and, you know, really started in April when Matt was at the masters and everyone was, was at the course, uh, you know, pretty much everyone was staked out Thursday and Friday, um, trying to watch any of the live feeds that we could get on the, on the TV and plugging computers in to catch, you know, amen corner and all these things. And so it was fun. And then I went and watched, uh, Matt play, uh, on Thursday at Shinnecock. So, so some, a bunch of members went down. And so I was just with work, uh, everything going on work-wise, I, I just skipped down and, and got to see him play one day. I mean, he just striped it. I mean, his ball striking and his driving off the tee were unbelievable. And I think that really kind of got me excited and, and motivated. And I'm like, I, you know, if I win the mid-am, I could go play in the open. Yeah, and that's, and, that's exactly I what mean, you get to do next year. You're playing the right. U.S. Women's Open. Exactly. So I think that that provided us a little, a little extra motivation and, and kind of spark and um, went out. I think it was the next week was kind of our first big state uh, event here and, and was lucky enough to win that and, and really just kind of kept rolling all summer, which was which was fun. You get a ton of confidence every time you you go and play well. And if you're lucky enough to win, it, it just gives you a, a little bit more confidence going into the next one. And um, so that was kind of really, I think, you know, watching Matt and, and how much fun he was having. It really kind of really kind of sparked sparked a big uh 
you know, really lit a big fire under me and, and just wanted to go play well. Yeah. Well, you, you won the, let's see. So 2018, you have the New England Women's uh, Champ, uh, Golf Association Championship. You won the Edith Noblet Baker Trophy. You got the U.S. Mid-Am. What am I missing? Come on. Uh, the the state am as well. State am. That was kind of one that eluded me a little. So that was, finished, that was a good one to get. And you finished <laughs> second at the We Met Memorial. So you really just fell off the, you just really just everything just fell apart there, obviously. I mean, right. Play. Yeah. Come on. Um, <laughs> all right. So I want to ask you, uh, this is a question I have for you. And, you know, I'm around juniors. Uh, down here in, in, in Florida with the Florida State Golf Association, I'm I'm around. We have so many different terms here. We have seniors, we have mid-seniors, mid-ams, juniors. And it seems like every age range, every division is, is thriving. But it seems that women's mid-am is the one division, age and obviously, you know, gender division, that seems to be kind of the the smaller populated division of, of participants. Um, sure. Is that something that you're, would you agree with that? Do you have any thoughts on how, like why that is? How do we get as many people into the game of golf? And then specifically, how do we get, uh, you know, women mid-amps into the game of golf? Right. Yeah. It's a tough, um, I totally agree. I think it's, uh, it's probably the, I mean, as far as like the number of entries that the USGA receives right, for, right. for the, the tournaments, that's probably the the smallest one that they that they have. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's really tough. Um, I mean, once you're done with school, if you don't go play professionally, I mean, you're you're straight into the, the job world and you're trying to to really kind of grow with whatever uh, company you start working for. And you don't get a lot of time off. They, you know, you're going to get two two weeks a year. Are you going to take one of those and go, go play in a national event? And you may not have a lot of money to, to start. So I think it's, it's tough to, to really get going. And then, but, you know, by the time you get to 25, you know, you've been in the, the work world, you know, two, three years and starting to establish yourself a little bit more. So, so now you can go and maybe play in, you know, the, the U S mid-am and um, this year was probably the most, I think it in in the at least for the last few years, it was probably the most twenty five year olds I think that we've had. So I think we had like eight or nine in the field, which is a lot. Um, usually you have like two or three. So I think we're hopefully that trend continues and we'll get some some younger players um, coming into it. But at the same time, a lot of people are are getting married and starting families and having kids. So once that once that happens, you're probably not going to play a lot of golf. And so I think there's a, a lot of factors that come up that, you know, really aren't publicized out there, but there's little things that prevent us from going to play. Yeah. And, and golf is such a, it's not like going to the gym. It's not like just something where, and I guess maybe this is just my own thought on it. It's really tough to spend a lot of time with something and then not see the rewards. You know, it, it takes, right. you know, it, golf is not fun for the most part, if you're struggling and shooting 95, 97, like, all right, well, we'll just try it again next weekend. You know, if you're competitive and yep. you want to be good at it, you got, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. I, I just, that, but I also, I, you know, I just don't see a lot of women mid-ams just like playing casually at the club or playing casually. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't, I don't yep. see it. So. Yeah. It's tough. It's just a, you know, it's just, there's not enough hours of the day. And yeah. um, if you got, you know, if you got little ones, it's, you know, 
school and pick up from school. And there's, <laughs> if you're working on top of it, there's, there's not going to be a lot of hours to go and play. And, um, I think that's, that's the, the tough part. Um, I think just even like on the public side, if you know, you're going to go spend two hours to go play nine or, or, you know, over four hours to go play 18 holes, it's a huge commitment. And I think that's the, that's the one thing I found that joining a club, um, and there's, you know, there's obviously very high end, there's, there's lower end, but you know, if you're going to go pay a, a membership and whether it be two, $3,000, that gives you at least the luxury to go to those courses. And right. if you can only have time to play two holes, go just play two holes. Right. I mean, I, there's countless times this year that, um, that I've snuck over to Thorny just on my way home from work. And, and I just want to go hit a few balls on the range and then I'm going to go play two, three holes and that's enough. And, and it's good practice, but at least it kind of keeps you sharp. And I think if more people, um, maybe took that route, maybe that would, would help them, uh, stay a little more competitive or just, just be around it. And I think then they'll find other people they'll play with and it'll sure. be a little bit more social and a little more enjoyable at the same time. Nice. So you, um, you have, you have this great 2019 schedule coming up with the, with the U S uh, U S open, you have the U S uh, women's am, you have the U S women's mid am. I mean, you are, you have your exemptions rolling pretty nicely. So you're going to be getting a lot of invites. What are you most looking forward to next year? Uh, um, I obviously probably the, the women's open will be the, that'll be the top, uh, top tournament that I'll play in next year. And, so and have you reached out to, um, with your experience playing in, in all these other USGA events, I'm sure you've bumped into some of the LPGA pros. You've made your contacts with the USGA. Um, who, who are you most excited to maybe talk to, maybe play a practice round with? Do you have anything lined up for next year? Um, so I haven't, uh, I will shortly, uh, I was going to wait till after the, after the first of the year to, to kind of reach out to, to our ping, uh, ping LPGA rep and nice. have him start putting, uh, putting some, uh, some feelers out there. Uh, I would love to play with Brooke Henderson. I think she's, um, she's on our pink staff and she's an unbelievable, she's just a super nice girl, uh, unbelievable golfer, obviously, and, uh, and player. And I think just, just being around her and then her sister, it would be kind of fun to pick their brain a little bit. Um, and then, um, Brittany Altamare, her, I actually ran into her dad, um, cause she grew up, um, out in this area and I ran into her dad at, uh, maybe like a month ago and so told him I was playing and he's like well you should we should play practice round so yeah so I don't know if she told Brittany that or not but uh so we'll see maybe maybe play with her and then Megan Kang is from this area as well so that would be a it'd be a fun uh, little Massachusetts uh group there if we could we could get that Absolutely. but um and then who, whoever else, uh, it, I'm totally up for, for anyone to, to play practice round with. And, uh, it, it'll just be, I'm just so looking forward to the experience and, and really just kind of taking it all in and, and not having turned professional out of college. I mean, I've never played in a professional events and not many people can probably say that their first one is going to be a major Of course, and, uh, it'll be, it'll be unbelievable. And I have to go back to your ping demo days. Um, do you're, so you're going around to different country clubs to get different golf courses. And not me, but I'm, I'm not speaking about me, of course. But, you know, some guys out there 
think that they can just hit the ball super far and they're going to be so much better than any woman that's trying to fit them. And again, this is not, this is not me. This is not me, but you know, some, like I said, you know, they may think that I'll, I'll, she doesn't know what she's doing. Um, right. Any fun anecdotes you can share about, you know, maybe someone going up to a guy like, yeah, you see her over there? Yeah, she's the best women's men name in the country right now. Uh, you might want to let her tell you that you need to drop that right foot back or maybe fix that grip. I mean, she kind of yeah. knows what she's doing. Yeah, I think um, I only had, um, you know, I when I worked in Phoenix, I traveled all over the country on our fitting bands, um, fitting people at demo days and, and fitting days. And I think I only had one experience uh, where I was trying to help this guy out and he just was like, nope, I'm good. And just kept kind of lingering around sure. and, um, and just, you know, just kind of went back to him and was like, can I help you with anything? Nope, I'm good. And then and then our one of my best friends was was on the truck with me, and so he went over and talked to the guy and started helping him. And he's like, "I didn't want her to to fit me." And yes. My friend, my friend goes to him, and he goes, "She could kick your ass." <laughs> <laughs> and, and so he kind of then he kind of looked at me, and I was just like, "Whatever." I mean, you'll you'll run into people like oh, that, sure. and and which what it totally fine. And, but I've you know be, being up here in Boston, I haven't uh, I haven't encountered that, and uh, but it's yeah, and most of the pros are are on the range and whenever we're at events and, and they'll, they gladly bring up that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably one of the better, better players in the state. So, so, uh, so you have your, you have, you have your whole aw shucks face and, uh, right. Exactly. Oh, I'm like, I'm me? okay. You're I'm talking, right. you're talking about <laughs> me. Oh, exactly. really? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I think once you start talking to someone and, and really it's, I won't say it's a whole nother language, but, uh, once you kind of get into talking about their misses and what they play and different things like that, I think their eyes kind of open up and they're like, Oh, she, she knows what she's talking about. And, and I always say, I'm a, I always say I'm a much better fitter than I am a golfer. So I, I get out of do here. very well. Come I, on, I, get out yeah, of here with that crap. Come on, Shannon. Right. Come on. I can, I can do a lot of things. I can make a lot of, a lot of fun things happen with people's golf games. Oh. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I think that's the best part. It's, it's very, a very rewarding job going and, and helping people. And, and if you can get them to, to hit it better and play better, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to help kind of grow this game. And, yeah. and it uh, always puts a smile on my face. Good, good. Well, we have a couple random questions here at the back of the range. These are fun. These are stupid, but uh, I ask them, <laughs> ask them just about everyone. So let's see here. Um, would you rather? Well, I think I already know the answer to this one with your special <laughs> wedge. But w- would you rather play uh, a round of golf with no tees or no wedges? Uh, definitely. Um yeah no tees yeah that would be easy yeah Yeah. gotta have gotta have the wedges around the green yeah exactly (laughs) uh let's see so um would you rather win the u.s women's mid-am or play on two losing curtis cup teams oh um that's a tough one i mean i'm gonna gonna take your women's mid-am away from you but i'm gonna let you play on two curtis cup teams yeah, I need, I, I want the Madame. Okay. So okay. To, I, yeah, that's, you want to be a USGA champion. Yep. That's the, that's the best part. Uh, let's see. How about this one? Uh, you can give a major championship to anyone in history, alive or sure. dead, 
no majors, 18 majors, anything you want to do. You can give a major championship to anyone. Who would you give a major championship to? I think that's an easy one because I think Lee Westwood deserves a major <laughs> before and, and, he before he calls it quits. And, and what clubs does Lee Westwood play, Shannon? Of course he plays pink. There we go. Okay. So, yep, see. yep, yep, uh, yep. Let's see. Um, Jack Nicholas won the Masters in 1986. Uh, compare that to a potential fifth green jacket of Tiger Woods. Which would be the more substantial victory? Um, I would say Tiger. Okay. I think just, just with everything he's done for, for the game of golf. And yep. it's fun to see him, um, see him back in the winner's circle. And it would be unbelievable if he could, if he could win a major again, you know, coming up in the next couple of years, I think it would, uh, it would be super fun to watch and experience all over again. Okay. Uh, the match featured Tiger and Phil recently in Las Vegas match 2.0 is going to be Shannon Johnson versus... <laughs> Who? Ooh. And you get to pick uh, anyone. Does it, male, female. It could be the guy in Phoenix that doesn't think you know what you're doing. Anything you want. Uh, <laughs> a, a, you pick anyone you want to. Um, might as well pick Matt. Make it a thorny, wow. a thorny Lee versus Thorny Lee. Why not? Wow. That would be fun. Although I, I need to play from a different set of tees than him. Oh, now, now <laughs> he gets up, it now, way too far. Now we're coming up with all these rules now. <laughs> I know, these... right? All right. Well. I got to slide it a little more in my favor. <laughs> We got the challenge match going here. What should the Perfect. what should the stakes be? Because I mean, money is money doesn't mean anything to you amateurs. So Ooh. so what would the stakes be? You got to play Parziali. So Parziali Johnson in match two What are the stakes? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Might just be uh, might just be some some beverages afterwards. That's kind of what uh, that's kind of what the normal bets are at Thorny and. What we, is the, what uh, they've is got the, some pretty they've got some pretty heavy pours over there, so you only need a couple. To, man, I'm <laughs> to telling get you what, I, I'm so glad that that I'm I, I get a summer membership down here in at Quail Ridge Country Club in Boynton Beach, and one of the really good things for myself, my health, and my liver is that when the summer membership uh, expires, I get a little bit of break because I don't know what it is, but apparently country clubs pour way different than just about any place else so exactly yeah yes. it's terrible what what is the drink yep. of choice in at thorny what's your drink of choice at thorny so i kind of do a little different take of a transfusion okay um so i tito's <laughs> is always my go-to vodka and then um and then I just do soda water and then a little splash of grape juice okay so, so rather than of- having the yeah rather than having ginger ale it's a, a little little less sweet for me so so as we've stated throughout the entire episode, 2018 U.S. Mid-Am champion, uh, you you were, were runner-up in 2016. You made it to the semis in 17, so you finally break through. You get that win. So this um, you know this this tournament victory at Norwood Hills in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'm not going to walk you through the entire his you know the entire qualifying rounds and the match play rounds, but you have a pretty pretty uh, tough opponent in the final, uh, Kelsey Chug, and you, you win that match one up. Um, by winning the 18th hole. So can you, can you walk me through maybe the last couple holes of that match? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, um, so I was actually one down going to the 16th hole. Okay. And, um, so I was able, we both hit on the green. We both, I had like probably just over a 30 foot putt. She was about a foot inside me and I get up and I hit a good putt and about four feet from the hole, I was like, that's in. 
so I kind of started walking to it, just kind of just, I don't know where it came from Oh no! and, uh, and make it. And I think it kind of, I think it kind of rattled her a little. And so she get up and I mean, she made a good putt. She, she putted well all day and, and, um, kind of burned the, burned the edge and, and then, um, both just kind of made pars on the 17th hole. And so we're all square going into to 18 and it's, I hadn't played the 18th hole, all the match play, never, uh, never made it that far. And, but it's just kind of a really straightaway uh, par five. I think it was playing about uh, just under 480 yards. And okay. so I get up and hit a great drive um, left center of the fairway and Kelsey gets up next and, and hits and, and kind of has a little, little cut on it. Uh, but, still hit the fairway, but was about 20 yards behind me. And so we get up to our balls. And um, so my caddy, Matt and I were, were kind of looking over the yardages and, and we had about, I needed to hit at about 200 to clear the front edge of, of the green. And the pin was tucked in the back left corner. So it was about another 30 paces on to get to the flag. And, and so we're kind of looking at it and we're like, well, let's see what she does. And so there, it was a tough hole because there was out of bounds, right? Um, the, anything around the green, there's a bunker. There was um, just some gnarly rough that you'd never wanted to be in if you could avoid it. And, sure. and so she got up and actually laid up and um, she probably had about 60 yards in on what would be her third shot. So, so she laid up and so I look at my caddy and I'm like, I'm like, I, this is like a perfect seven wood and early you're a little more jazzed up. So, so we knew we could, we could definitely fly at that yardage. And I had to, the trees were kind of coming out into the fairway and the pin was, was tucked around the, the back left corner. And so it, it set up perfectly for a little draw that I normally play on, on every shot ball ball was sitting a little above my feet. And so I choked down just a hair and just hit, an awesome shot. And it was, it's one of those things that it, how you picture it in your mind yeah. was exactly how that ball flew onto the grain, flew onto the grain and started rolling right towards the hole. And of course we're kind of, we're so far away. We can't, we can't see how close it is, but, but everyone was up clapping and, and uh, kind of hooting and hollering. And so we knew, we knew it ended up pretty close. And so we get up there and it's about 18 feet short and, so Kelsey stuffs one in there about eight feet. So, so I'm walking up and I'm like, I could win it with an Eagle. It sure. would be unbelievable, an unbelievable story. And so I get up. The problem was, is that Norwood greens were so tricky. And every time that we went around, whether it was in stroke play or the match play, my caddy was really good about making a ton of notes. So we had the greens pretty dialed in, but the problem was we only played the 18th hole (laughs) just the two times in, in stroke play. And, and one time in, um, in the practice rounds. And so we weren't super familiar. So it had a lot more break than, than we thought it was, was going to. So I ended up missing it, had about a foot and a half. And so I marked it. And I'm thinking, well, we're going to go to extra holes. So I kind of, I'm the first tee boxes is right next to the 18th, uh, 18th green. So I was kind of looking down that looking over at the tee box thinking, all right, what am I going to hit? We're going, we're going to go play this first hole again. And cause Kelsey made pr- almost every putt that, that she looked at that day. And so she got up and she missed it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like You're I shocked. can't, I can't believe she missed it. I was in total shock. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go hit this foot and a half putt. Wasn't there wasn't any nerves or anything like that 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 came over me. I'm just like, okay, I gotta 
got to go hit this in. So I went and hit it in and, and everyone's clapping and, and I'm just still in shock and I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Right. And, and then my friends, uh, my friends that, uh, my best friend Megan played in the tournament, so she was there. She'd stayed all week, and then I had a couple friends flying from Boston that morning. So they're running up to the green, and they're crying, and, I, and I'm like, I still don't know what's going on. You're the on. only one that doesn't know what's going on here. Right, and they were they were crying, and they're like, why aren't you crying? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, and it, it's, it took a long time, I think, for it to, to set in. It took probably like a month later. That you can finally kind of really appreciate it and look back at, at the, the long week that it is and, and what you accomplished. But, um, but yeah, it was a fun, it was fun to have my parents there and my, oh, friend, you great. know, my best golfing friends there. And it was, uh, yeah, to be able to share that moment with them was, was incredible. Well, Shannon, I really do appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us here at the back of the range. We'll be looking for you at the U S women's open this year. So best of luck with that. And, um, Again, thanks for joining us here at the Back of the Range. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Enjoy that warm Florida weather. Yes. And another great episode comes to a close here at the Back of the Range. Thank you so much to Shannon Johnson for joining us here this week. Remember, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to be walking around the PGA Merchandise Show, posting a lot of great content. Feel free to reach out with any questions, and we'll see you again next week here at the Back of the Range.